Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, Protecting Project Pulp, and the all-new Far-Fetched Fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova, everybody. Welcome, hello and welcome to show 347. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello everyone, I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Well, from last week, coming dashing straight in, still with me coat on, it is now, oh, just gone half seven, the house is empty, and I thought I'd get up early, get the dog sorted out, and then get the show recorded. So it's half seven, I'm in my pyjamas and slippers, how rock and roll. I'll tell you what's coming in today's show, we have a fantastic story by a great British writer, The Region of Jennifer by Tony Ballantyne. First, before that, though, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that's been donating. Do you know what I mean? Listen, it means so much to us. Do you know what I mean? So the people that's donated, thank you so much. And the people that's been donating for a long time, thank you as well. You know what I mean? Please keep it coming. We're in this kind of little area now where we need some funding. Certainly do. Do you know what I mean? I kind of had a little chat with Josh and got got to look after the girl. So, if you want to donate, please, loads of options, and I will tell you about them later on, but please think about donating to the Starship Sova. So, just got the story today, The Region of Jennifer by Tony Ballantyne. I'll give you a little heads up about Tony Ballantyne. Tony is, before that, he's got a fantastic name. He is the author of Dream London, the Penrose series and Recursion series. He has also written many short stories. Tony grew up in County Durham in the northeast of England, which is, if anyone wants to know, probably around 10 miles from where I'm sitting there now. He studied maths at Manchester University before moving to London, where he taught maths and IT. His first SF sale was the 6 VNM, which appeared in Interzone 138. Since then, he has had short stories appear in magazines and anthologies worldwide. He's also written comic romantic fiction and satirical pieces for various magazines, such as Private Eye. Recursion, his first novel, was published in by Tor in 2004, and he's been nominated for a British Science Fiction Award and 
the Philip K. Dick Awards. He now lives in Alden with his wife and two children. His hobbies are playing the piano, accordion and cornet. And he also enjoys walking and cycling. He's currently writing a monthly serial, Cosmopolitan Predators, for Ethernet magazine. His latest book is Dream London. And this story, the region of Jennifer, is so hot off the press. Came out in the June Analog Science Fiction and Fact 2014. So a big thank you to Analog letting me get this story out there. I'll put a link on to Analog's site as well. Do pop over, because in that magazine as well, there's some cracking stories. You've got a novelette by Michael F. Flynn, the journeyman in the stone house. And he's just a cracking writer. I always remember years ago when me and Kieran, this is like the early times. Come on, you, a few years can remember that when we had this kind of Hugo Hugo off where we kind of had to read all the books, me and Kieran, and pick which book. And mine was Michael F. Film Flynn's, or it was it Elfenstein? Oh, I can't even remember the name now, but I lost anyways. But what a cracking writer and a cracking story that was. Forgiveness as well as in there by Bud Sparhawk. So please pop over there. I like to see there's a link on to Analog Magazine. Do think about that as well. Got to keep the old ones going. This story is this. One of my favourite narrators there now, Trendy and Sparks, born in Texas and transplanted to California. Trend has jobs ranging from army medic to veterinary technician. I love this as well, freelance clown. Kids show puppeteer. Go on there, Trend. He says, nothing's ever made him so happy as voice acting. From video games to narrating stories, voice performance as conduits of magic and imagination. And like I say, just got this, there's voices there, just get you, capture you, and Trent's got that one. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present The Region of Jennifer by Tony Ballantyne. The Region of Jennifer extended about 30 kilometers. Out there, amongst the decaying factory belt, daffodils pushed their heads up through the tired earth of the canal banks. The steam barons may have lost their power, but the world still bore their scars. Even so, Jennifer was at work to make things beautiful. At twenty kilometers, shining fields of buttercups lapped the slag heaps. At ten kilometers, there were avenues of laburnum, the strings of yellow flowers drooping over rusted railway lines that were. At one kilometer, the fields gave way to green lawns as smooth as a billiards table. A team of gardeners labored constantly to unstitch the abraxan threadweed that wriggled blindly up from the dark below ground. Gardeners pruned the fruit trees. They collected the oranges and peaches into baskets to be stacked in the cool rooms by the kitchens of Jennifer's house. The house was the stationary heart of the region of Jennifer. The maid would open the front door in her yellow dress and white pinafore and show the guests into a reception room striped with yellow and white wallpaper where they would be served pale golden earl grey tea. Usually, Jennifer would come down to meet them, but a very fortunate few would be ushered upstairs to her private rooms. Jennifer's rooms were painted in yellow and gold. They were decorated with the gifts brought from around the universe. Diamond casts from the ice caves of lithium, living gold leaf from Aral 9. Jennifer would sit on the brocade sofa in the center of the room, wearing a simple white dress over a silk slip. Beneath the slip, silk underwear, a hand-stitched brassiere, silk knickers. And beneath the silk knickers, the reason for all this extravagance. That was Jennifer. Life support system for a womb, a womb that, in eight days' time, was due to receive its first passenger, but not if Randy had anything to do with it. Randy's life had taken a very different direction to Jennifer's. There was no region of Randy. 
Randy was the region of Randy in its entirety. Randy had no home. He had been re-engineered that way. His skin was thick and leathery, so well insulated that he could sleep in the pools of cold water that filled the broken basements of the broken factories in the former industrial zone. When the outsiders had come to Abraxas and bankrupted the steam barons, Randy's re-engineering decision looked to have been a smart choice. As the economy collapsed across the planet, as the work dried up and the bread lines grew, as the engines fell silent and the trains stopped moving, people came to envy those like Randy. Having metacarbon teeth that could bite through bone, and a metacarbon lace stomach lining containing acids and catalysts that could metabolize just about anything organic seemed like a great thing. Especially when you were half starving and getting by on a diet of boiled Abraxan threadweave and however many Abraxan bloodworms you could pull from the ground. Those who had put their faith in property and fine clothes, people like Jennifer, in fact, seemed to have backed the wrong horse. But that was before Abraxas had fully opened up to the outside universe. Now, six years later, there weren't the riches of the steam barons, but there wasn't the same aching poverty either. People got by well enough, and those as different as Randy were treated with mistrust at best and outright hostility at worst. Little wonder that when Randy entered the region of Jennifer, he did it in disguise, riding in the back of a truck delivering liquid manure to the garden. Half submerged in the tank of slurry, he didn't worry about the smell. In fact, he dipped his nose beneath the level of the liquid and took a couple of gulps whenever he felt thirsty. To his re-engineered taste buds, it tasted good. Of course it did. It was full of goodness. There were enough nutrients there to send a field full of seed thrusting to the sky in golden-headed glory. Randy wallowed in the warmth of liquid shit whilst in the house. Jennifer had just gotten out of the bath and was rubbing oil into her smooth calves. She wouldn't be dining on slurry tonight, that was for certain. No, 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 Jennifer, that's not how one eats a salad. Then how, M. Lombard? Jennifer didn't throw down her fork. She didn't show the slightest hint of annoyance at being corrected. Jennifer wanted to be the best at everything, and she relished the opportunity to learn. Like this, said M. Lombard, picking up his own fork. He speared a fragment of arugula, a little mizuna, and some red leaf. He dipped them in shining balsamic vinegar. You see, he said, turning his forkful this way and that, every moment can be beautiful. Jennifer's father entered the room. He'd had his skin replaced with metacarbon fifteen years ago, back when the procedure had been prohibitively expensive for the common workers of Abraxas. Now that outside contact had made the procedure more affordable, her father had returned to wearing clothes, if a series of polished titanium plates a completely unnecessary covering to his impervious jet-black skin, could be called clothes. But he looked impressive, Jennifer knew. The servants were terrified of him. They shrank into doorways as he strode down the corridors of the house, titanium plates clattering. "'Rinaldo has confirmed he will arrive one week from today at six o'clock,' said Jennifer's father. "'He will stay here for four days with an option of a further four if there are complications.' Stop worrying, Daddy. I was made for this. Ronaldo will fertilize me. You can depend on it. Let's just hope he can get it up, said her father darkly. It's cash on conception. He won't be the first man to shrivel under pressure. Jennifer touched his hand. You worry too much, Daddy. I know my business. And if not, there are drugs. I hope so for his sake. The Shinkansen are paying him a fortune to go up for stud. Her father paused and sniffed the air. "'What's that smell?' he said. 
Annoyance flickered across his face. Are the drains backing up again? I don't know, said Jennifer. Why don't you go and see? She turned to M. Lombard. I think that I have had enough practice for today. I will go and have a lie down. I need to be ready for next week. Certainly, Jennifer, said M. Lombard. Jennifer entered her bedroom to find Randy sat on the bed, a reactionless pistol pointing in her direction. <gasps> Randy! gasped Jennifer. I thought it would be you. Who else would smell so bad? How did you get in? By sticking to the places where your staff don't want to go. She wrinkled her nose. The air around her glittered gold as the region of Jennifer sought to assert itself. You can put the pistol away, you know, she said. I'm sorry, said Randy. He looked at the pistol as if he'd forgotten he was holding it. I wasn't sure it would be you coming through that door. He pushed the pistol into his pocket. What do you need a gun for, anyway? No one here is going to hurt you. What about your father? I heard he had a man whipped for speaking to you out of turn. Jennifer smiled. Oh, Randy, that was in the old days, before F.E. Besides, he never had the man whipped. He just spread that story to add to my cachet. You never understood my role, did you? So what happened to the man? asked Randy, stubbornly. He was fired. His family were turned out of their house, and he was banished from all Jari family property. And you think that was right? Jennifer pouted. It was a pretty pout, taught to her by M. Lombard. I'm not here to question my father, Randy. He's not your father, Jennifer. I don't know why you still call him that. All that patronage nonsense died with the steam barons. Randy was sulking. Worse than that, a brown stain was spreading across the shot silk of the counterpane. The bedclothes would have to be burned, that was for sure. Jennifer put on her prettiest smile. Listen, Randy, it's lovely to see you and everything, but what do you want? I'm here to stop you mating with Ronaldo. Jennifer laughed. It sounded like rain falling on silver bells. Oh, Randy, how sweet. You've come to save me. Randy didn't like it indoors. It was too hot and sterile for him. So Jennifer agreed to take a walk with him in the garden. She gave him a few minutes to sneak out of the house, then went and found him lurking by the tree line at the end of the long lawn. He was on his hands and knees, pulling pale bloodworms from the soil and pushing them into his mouth. Purple juice ran down his cheeks. Sorry, said Randy. I get so hungry. Don't worry about it, said Jennifer. The gardeners will be grateful, and the farmers. The bloodworms eat their way up through the heels of the G-cows when they sleep. They live inside the creatures for weeks, eating away at the interior. It causes no end of trouble getting them out. They taste good, said Randy, wiping his cheek with the back of his hand. I'm sorry, I'm almost done. How did you find out about Ronaldo? asked Jennifer. Realization dawned. She'd snapped her fingers. Don't tell me. The free Abraxans. Oh, Randy, you always talked about joining them. You shouldn't laugh at us, said Randy, softly. You have no idea. Do you know that after the outsiders arrived, the steam barons sold this planet to the slave makers? It wasn't just the steam barons, Randy. After the big shareout, we all took a stake in the planet. We're all stakeholders now. That's the way it goes. We're all free Abraxans now. No, we're not. The same people are in charge. The steam barons negotiated the terms with the slave makers. Who else? They were the experts. Randy was getting annoyed. Jennifer eyed those big hands of his, re-engineered to pull flesh from bone. What could he do if he were to really lose his temper? 
she spoke in her most reasonable terms. If we were going to trade with the universe, then who else should we choose to negotiate? Look what we get in return. All this new technology. No one goes hungry anymore. There's food for everyone, and in return the slave makers were granted a little space up in the mountains where we have no use for the land. You think that was wise? The slave makers control a volume of space at least twenty times that of the human region. They'll want to enslave this planet too, eventually. The slave makers can't control anyone without their permission. You know that people voluntarily enslave themselves? Jennifer looked at Randy, stinking of slurry and bloodworms and dressed in old metaplastics he'd managed to scavenge from the abandoned factories. She was too well brought up to mention his own form of enslavement. It takes all sorts, she said diplomatically. Randy sucked down the last bloodworm. His hands were stained red from where he fought to pull them from the soil. Anyway, that's not the point, he said, pale flesh spraying from his mouth. They're playing the long game. How? They're shaping how we evolve, said Randy. They're choosing who people mate with. He waved his hand toward the distant bulk of G-cows, their bodies the size of fuel tankers. It's selective breeding. We're just cattle to them. Jennifer laughed. So that's what this is all about? Well, let me tell you, I breed with who I want. Not that it's any of your business. You want to mate with Ronaldo? Jennifer waved her hand around the garden. Look at all this, she said. A whole garden planted for me. I have a beautiful house to live in. I get to travel anywhere I want, anywhere in the known universe. In return, I'm expected to look beautiful, keep myself healthy, and deliver one child every three years for the next twelve years. It's not an onerous responsibility. You think so, said Randy, with a nasty smile. Do you know what Ronaldo is? Randy refused to tell her more. He offered her his hand, and she wiped it down carefully with a cleanie before taking it. Where are we going? she said. The service valley. Summon one of your cars to meet us there. Where are we going? But Randy was silent. Jennifer thoughtfully tapped instructions on her thigh. A road ran down the bottom of the service valley, next to the rusting railway tracks, down which the trains brought the supplies that kept the house running, back before the outsiders had transformed life on Abraxas. The service valley couldn't be seen from the house. Jennifer had no need to look on its sullen gray length. She was a creature of flowers and light, not gray gravel and rust. You bring me to the nicest of places, she said. Yellow sticks of a Braxton slime mold flowed over the rocks. Stand still too long and they'll try to engulf you. Where's the car? asked Randy. It will be on its way, said Jennifer. Tell me, why should I come with you? Because Ronaldo is a slave maker, said Randy. Or did you know that already? Jennifer was silent. You didn't, did you? How could Ronaldo be a slave maker? said Jennifer, and her frustration at his stupidity almost broke through. M. Lombard would not have been pleased. How could I mate with an alien? Randy really could be quite irritating. He still hadn't outgrown that air of superiority Jennifer remembered from their younger days. When we first colonized this planet, the air was slow poison, he began. The plants were inedible. They wouldn't kill you. They hadn't evolved the necessity, but they provided no nutrition. Yes? So what has that to do with me mating with a slave-maker? Randy ignored her. So the steam barons tailored the virtual machines to live within us, to act as an interface between the outside world and our bodies, eat something on a braxis, and the VMs converted into something nutritious. It saved the steam barons having to import real food here. Fine, said Jennifer. How does that mean I can mate with a slave-maker? 
The VMs don't just mess with our food. They interact with our bodies and remodel them. That's what they did with the G-cows. That's how they remodeled the fish and the worms. That's how they remodeled us. Randy looked smug. That was one of his worst features, she recalled. Randy always had to be right. It's something to do with you and the VM inside you, said Randy. It will have been altering you, making you compatible, said Randy. He gazed at her. You don't seem to be as upset as I would have imagined. I'm furious, said Jennifer. Furious, said Randy. That's an odd word, not sickened or disgusted. They do play with our minds, don't they? I know, said Jennifer, staring pointedly at the flecks of bloodworm that stained his front. There's another thing, said Randy. The slave makers, the way they grow up, some of them are genetically compatible with the species of the planets they control. They don't control this planet, remember? Not yet, but they're playing the long game. They heard the sound of tires crunching on gravel. The car that Jennifer had summoned, a big scarlet telecruiser rolling towards them, metacarbon skin shining out against the gray surroundings. Jennifer snapped her fingers. A bad habit. What is it? asked Randy. Ronaldo can't be a slave-maker, said Jennifer. It would violate the contract. What are you laughing at? Randy was giggling like a little schoolboy. <laughs> Why? I bet you didn't specify in the contract that you could only mate with humans. That's not funny. Come on, said Randy. You've got a week of freedom before the big event. Your so-called father doesn't own you. Come with me. I'll prove that it's true. Why would you do that? I'm part of the resistance, baby, said Randy. We don't have to explain our methods. Jennifer drove the car. I can't believe you never learned to drive, she said. Why bother? I never had a car. They drive themselves anyway. I suppose, she glanced sideways at him. You don't mind if I keep the windows open, do you? Only you really do smell. He was also staining the pale calfskin of the seats, but there was nothing she could do about that at the moment. The car skimmed down the road, the interior perfectly leveled despite the unevenness of the road. You never understood the philosophy behind my chosen life, did you? said Randy. Jennifer looked chastened. The steering wheel was already turning to gold where her fingers held on to it. I never really understood any of it, she said. I never understood why I was selected for university. There were far cleverer people than me back in Westcliff. They weren't as attractive as you, said Randy. Sorry, Jennifer. Oh, you're not being rude. I know why I was selected. The steam barons would have had me marked down as a potential consort. I know that. I wasn't like you, Randy. I never thought of fighting them. I wanted to be a teacher or something, said Randy. You know, I sometimes wonder that if they knew what they were doing when they offered me this transformation. They effectively sidelined me. Just think of what I could have done, letting young minds see the truth. He held up his hands, looking at the serrated edges of his metacarbon nails. No, said Jennifer. I hope you're just trying to make me feel better. I always like the idea of there being real rebels out there. I hate the idea that everyone is just like me. The fence was broken up ahead of them. A G-cow stood in the middle of the road, chewing complacently. The car swerved around the creature, the scarlet telecruiser dwarfed by the vast frame of the modified creature. Brown eyes stared down at Jennifer. Speak to me, Randy. Randy coughed. <coughs> I always liked you, Jennifer, he said. Sometimes I wonder if I became what I am in reaction to you. Oh, Randy, you know that isn't true. You were always idealistic. That's why I like you. Now that they were past the G-cow, the car speeded up once more. The road here wasn't so well kept. Hadn't you better slow down, asked Randy. We'll skid on the gravel. You can't skid when you're using a reactionless engine, said Jennifer. Don't you know anything about the new cars? 
Reactionless, said Randy, perking up. I've been wanting to have a drive in one of these. He ran his hand along the leather of the dashboard. Any momentum they borrow has to be paid back later. Not that that makes any sense. You know that a reactionless drive is impossible according to human science. Is it? Jennifer said without interest. The car crunched along the loose stones, maintaining a steady hundred kilometers per hour. She glanced at the dash display. Another two hours to Marble City, she said. After that, we'll start climbing into the mountains. I guess my father will have missed me by then. Will he come looking for you? Why shouldn't he? asked Jennifer. I'm under constant medical monitoring as part of the contract. He knows my location at all times. They drove past Marble City. Ships descended from the skies and rose back up again in a steady stream, their skins flickering with patterns. Randy gazed up open-mouthed as they sped past. Have you been into space? Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Randy, ducking back into the car. He'd been leaning from the window like a little boy. Of course, said Jennifer. Have you? No, said Randy. I'd have to get a new VM. This planet is written into my body. They drove on past the city and onto a wide road that led to the distant mountains. Snow banded their middle slopes. Their tops rose into the upper atmosphere past the weather. The car sped up the mountain road, easily passing the wide green trucks that ran up to the plateau city of New Vladivostok and its surrounding mines. I'm feeling hungry, said Jennifer. You must be starving. I didn't want to disturb you. You look so happy driving. It's nice to be out. Thank you, but I need to eat. Let's pull in here. Randy looked at the large green trucks surrounding the roadside diner without enthusiasm. Are you sure? He said. I've had trouble in these places before. Stop worrying, said Jennifer, the light twinkling in her hair. Everyone loves me. I'm sure they do, said Randy. It's not you that I'm worried about. She guided the car into a space, golden feet pressing against golden pedals. Randy was looking at the waste bins around the side of the building. Oh, Randy, said Jennifer, don't eat from the bins. Come in and keep me company. And be happier with the garbage. Your food is also tasteless to me, and I need to eat much more than you. Besides, you really don't want to see me eat again, do you? Shut up and get inside. Shut up doesn't sound very Jennifer, said Randy, but he shut up and went inside anyway. The interior of the diner was low and dim. One by one, the faces of the truckers turned towards Jennifer. The woman behind the counter was rail thin. She was the only one looking at Randy. 
Oh, no, she said, not in here. His smell will put everyone else off. He's with me, said Jennifer. Hey, let him stay, said a nearby trucker, his forearms the size of hams. He pulled back a seat from the table in the middle of the room. You sit down here, lady. Jennifer smiled at him and sat down at the table. After a moment's hesitation, Randy sat down opposite. Unbidden, the woman behind the counter came out and placed a white tablecloth over its top. She returned with a glass vase holding some rather tired-looking Abraxan daisies. Jennifer smiled delightedly at the attention. "'What would you like?' asked the woman. "'What would you recommend?' asked Jennifer, her hands folded neatly in her lap. The woman looked her up and down. "'Chicken and yellow pepper salad?' she said thoughtfully. She turned to Randy. "'I'll have whatever,' he said. "'Honestly, mix all the garbage up in a bowl and I'll have that.' "'He's asking for your stew, Maureen.' Maureen ignored the trucker who shouted this out. "'I'll give you a salad, too,' she said to Randy. Maureen left them alone. Jennifer smiled at Randy. "'See, this is nice,' she said. "'Hey, princess, how come you get a tablecloth?' The female trucker who stood by their table was as wide as she was tall. She held a Chechen joint between her teeth, blue smoke curling up into the air. "'I don't know,' Jennifer said politely. "'Would you like to join us? There's room for another.' Across the room, another trucker laughed. "'There you are, Kim. That's called being polite.' "'Shut up, Trey,' Kim scowled and stalked away. "'Honestly, Jennifer,' said Randy, "'we really aren't safe here.' "'I'm safe everywhere,' said Jennifer. Gold dust settled on the white tablecloth where she rested her hands. "'Besides which,' she added, "'I'm with you, the hero of the resistance. You'll protect me.' "'You really don't think that, do you?' said Randy, looking around the room. You never did take me seriously, did you? Oh, I always did, said Jennifer. It's just that I'm more pragmatic than you. I think you're right, and I think the world's a mess. I just don't think that one person can make a difference. Well, I do, said Randy. Chicken salad, said the waitress, dropping the plates on the table. First one person, then two, then eventually everyone present sat watching Jennifer eat her chicken salad. Until they had seen it, they wouldn't have believed that the act of eating a meal could be transformed into a bravura performance. The curve that her hand followed through the air, the delicate way her mouth took each morsel from the end of the fork. Only the clatter of the door disturbed her. So it's true, then. The man who walked through the doorway wasn't that tall, but he looked mean. He wore a metacarbon skin, ribbed like an old-fashioned truck tire. I don't want to hear it, Nakwash, said Maureen from behind the counter. The man ignored her. He made his way across to Jennifer's table. She laid her fork on the tablecloth and smiled up at him politely. "'Do we usually have golden cutlery in here?' he asked. "'I don't know,' Jennifer said lightly. "'Would you like to join me?' The man pushed the salad onto the floor. Randy pulled the pistol from his pocket. "'Put it away,' said Nakwash. "'I've got a suppressor running.' Randy pointed the pistol at the ceiling. He pulled at the trigger. Once. Twice. Nothing happened. Now, garbage boy, why don't you get down on the floor and lick the dirt? I don't need a pistol to fight you, said Randy, standing up. Sit down, Randy, said Jennifer easily. No one here is doubting your prowess. You think he'll protect you, said Nakwash. He's strong, I'll grant you, but how well would he fight with four people holding on to him? Not so well, I'm sure, said Jennifer. Nakwash looked around the room. You see what she is, don't you? He said to the bar in general. A princess? <laughs> I don't think so. She's just a womb for sale. At the end of the day, she's nothing more than a whore, just like any other whore you can find along this road. Well, wouldn't you like to have her? 
Show the stuck-up bitch she ain't so special. Who's special, said Randy. She's the same as the rest of us. She comes from Westcliff. I come from Westcliff, too, said Nakwash. And you know what? I wasn't deemed to be part of the genetic elite. But just think, if I fuck her, then my kid could be. My kid could be one of the chosen. You lay a finger on her and you'll be dead before the hour is out, said Randy calmly. She must retail for something like half a billion a child. She's lined up for her first next week. I doubt the man who has laid down that sort of money would take your intervention lightly. Naquash gazed at him. Besides, said Randy, smiling widely to show his serrated metacarbon teeth, didn't anyone ever tell you not to piss off a garbage eater? I don't carry a pistol to protect myself. I carry a pistol so I don't have to do this. The man was standing right next to him, his crotch pressed insolently close to Randy's face. The man's body radiated heat, way too much heat. Randy leaned forward and bit deep into the man's thigh. There was a scream, a spray of red. Randy pulled back, a strip of meat torn from the man's leg. The scream increased. Now people jumped from their seat, but they didn't move forward. They merely looked on in horror. Hmm, said Randy, licking his lips. I could eat you all up. Jennifer looked distressed. Splecks of blood were sprayed across her golden forehead. This was not the suitable behavior for the region of Jennifer. "'I'm sorry,' said Randy, wiping blood from his mouth with the back of his hand. "'But I did say we shouldn't come in.' "'I know,' said Jennifer. "'I'm sorry. Let's go.' "'He tastes funny,' said Randy to the room in general. "'He's done something to his VM. Tried to change himself. He's burning up with excess energy.' Nakwash was thrashing on the floor, trying to paste the strip of flesh back into place. "'You have to do it right,' observed Randy, as he walked Jennifer from the room. "'Get the balance wrong, and you'll send yourself psychotic.' They drove higher into the mountains. The road was a wide band of roughened metacarbon cut between dirty ice sheets that crawled down the tilted slabs of rock. Shelves of ice and snow overhung the road. Jennifer had to wind up the windows to keep warm. "'The cold is worse than your smell,' she said. You're too clean for me, said Randy. Too sterile. Their two regions fought it out with each other. Neither of them felt comfortable. What's the matter? asked Jennifer, letting go of the wheel and turning to face him. The car drove itself better without her attention. Nothing, said Randy. Is it because I made you accompany me into the diner? You were showing off, said Randy. I thought better of you than that. I'm sorry, said Jennifer. It's what I do. I make the perfect environment for my child. I want people to see that. Don't you feel like an anachronism, said Randy. Not at all, said Jennifer. People will always want the best for their children. I'm just doing the best that I... I... Stop the car, Randy shouted at the same time. A gravel snake was stretched across the road. The long tube of its body squashed in several places where the wheels of a truck had gone over it. Its mottled gray surface was half rotten, half frozen. Randy was out of the door and heading towards it before the car had even stopped. Oh, Randy, no! I'm sorry, he called over his shoulder. I need to eat. Jennifer watched Randy as he raked the skin of the gravel snake with his fingernails, peeling it back to expose the purple flesh beneath. He plunged his head deep into the alien meat and tore a strip clear with his teeth. Jennifer concentrated on the car's dashboard. She thought that maybe some music would take her mind off Randy's meal. Perhaps a little Bach. The sound of the horn made her jump. The darker green tanker that rumbled down the hill was almost upon them before she noticed it. It was aimed for Randy. Jennifer jumped from the car and ran across the road, slipping on the ice and the mushed-up snake. The cold air bit at her lungs. Randy! she called. The truck had gone right over him. He lay, unmoving, on the road. Randy! 
To her relief, Randy stood up, holding his left arm and his right. I rolled beneath the wheels, he said. It caught my arm. Are you all right? I think it's crushed. It will heal. That's the benefit of being a garbage eater. Jennifer was shivering. Her lips were numb with cold. The sky was brilliant blue up here, and the air was bitter. Hey, he said. I'll be okay. You're the one who needs to get in the car. Look at the way you're dressed. I know, she said. Her silk dress outlined every goose pimple. And don't worry, he added. They won't come after you. They won't be that stupid. I know that, said Jennifer. That's what makes it so much worse. I don't want to see you get hurt. Stay close to me, Randy. I will. Jennifer felt as if they were driving into space. Would it be possible, she wondered, build a road that carried on up the mountain and into the stars, watch the sky fade from blue to black, build up speed and drive off the edge of the road and float off into space, travel in a line until you met another road that carried you gently down another mountain and onto the surface of another planet? Randy slept on the back seat, moaning occasionally. He was burning up with heat, his increased metabolism pumping out energy as he healed himself. She let him sleep. They were being followed. She could see it on the car's screen. Six trucks grinding up the hill behind her. She was driving faster than the trucks, but it was clear that she couldn't turn back. They were herding her towards the roadblock that waited up ahead. Four green trucks parked shoulder to shoulder. More than once, Jennifer wondered if she could call her father for help. She didn't bother. She was perfectly safe, and her father wouldn't care about Randy. Just short of the plateau of New Vladivostok, she came to the roadblock. Jennifer slowed down the car and climbed out. The two women who climbed from the cabs wore metacarbon skin. Razor fins were implanted on the backs of their hands. They moved in jerks and rushes. Jennifer didn't need Randy to tell her these were the people who attempted to modify their own virtual machines in order to boost their bodies. The two women were shorter than Jennifer, but looked much, much stockier. They folded their arms, gray razor fins glinting in the light, and gazed up at her. Let me pass, please, said Jennifer. You must realize you won't be allowed to harm me. We don't intend to harm you, said one of the women. She pointed at the car. We want the garbage eater. Jennifer shook her head. Then we'll take him from you, said the other woman. I'll drive the car into your truck rather than that, bluffed Jennifer, turning to walk back to the car. A metacarbon hand seized her shoulder. Please let go of me, said Jennifer. Just stay here whilst Gita pulls him from the car. One woman against Randy? Didn't you hear what he did at the diner? Gita can look after herself. She's pumped. Take your hand off my shoulder. The wind blew a gentle stream of ice flakes across Jennifer's face. She breathed gently. I said, take your hand off my shoulder. The woman laughed. Jennifer concentrated. You bitch! shouted the woman, snatching her hand away. That hurts! I can't move my hand! What did you do? Didn't you know, said Jennifer, everything I touch turns to gold. I bend the environment around me towards producing the perfect child. Anything that interferes with that harmony is removed. You think that your friend is dangerous? He's nothing compared to me. Now, are you going to move your trucks? You're disturbing my balance. Randy woke up as they pulled into New Vladivostok. Feeling better? asked Jennifer. Much better, he said, shaking his arm. Did I miss anything? Nothing worth mentioning, said Jennifer. Vladivostok seemed to consist of nothing but loading bays. Train tracks from across the plateau converged on a network of sidings. Trucks were lined up to receive the ore they brought, ready to carry it down to the factories of the plain far below. Why do the slave makers live so high up? asked Jennifer, pulling a golden jacket around herself. I don't know. 
Maybe they prefer a thinner atmosphere? This place is filthy, said Jennifer. It's cleaner than it used to be, said Randy. Look, most of the chimneys aren't working now. Even with virtual machines in their bodies, the people here used to be made sick by the pollution. Only a handful of the hundreds of chimneys trailed black smoke into the thin afternoon. There used to be black dust covering everything up here, said Randy. But those days are past, said Jennifer. Come on, we'll have to rent a mule or something to get higher up. They found a woman willing to take them up to the slave-maker land. She led them along thin paths carved by gravel snakes, higher and higher, past the scenery, leaving all color behind, until there was nothing to see but tumbled piles of gray scree, the white angry foam from churning streams, and the solid gray rocks that were slowly slipping their way down to the plain. Jennifer took it all in stoically, wrapped in a golden jacket. Randy became increasingly irritable. There was nowhere near enough food for him up here. The slave-maker's settlement was nestled in a bowl of stone held amongst high peaks. The settlement seemed to be grown from sponge. Yellow and pink and day-glow green domes clung to the rocks. Enslaved Abraxan animals moved amongst the sponge buildings on mysterious errands of their own. There were other animals that Jennifer had never seen before, brought to Abraxas from beyond the skies. Yellow, shovel-faced beasts scraped Abraxan slime mold into piles— Tall, crane-like birds stalked back and forth, mist spurting from their nostrils in the cold air. "'Why are we here again?' asked Jennifer. "'To speak to the slave-makers,' said Randy. "'Look.' There was movement by one of the sponge domes, a silver ribbon unrolling itself across the rocks towards them like a tongue, a path coming to meet them. The end of the ribbon uncurled perfectly before their feet. Jennifer stepped onto it without hesitation and walked along it toward the shocking pink sponge.' A gray slave-maker stood waiting for them in an orifice in the sponge's side. It looked like the president of the world, tall and distinguished with dark eyes and a firm smile. "'It looks so human,' said Jennifer. "'I heard that a slave-maker's form is chosen while still in its egg,' he said. He raised his hand in greeting. He seemed more comfortable now that he was here. He was back in control. "'Good afternoon,' he said. The slave-maker spoke in a voice that sounded like a soul-singer's. "'Good afternoon, Jennifer,' it said in a voice as rich as chocolate. "'Good afternoon, Randy. Would you like to come inside? There is food and drink.' The slave-maker looked at Randy. "'If you will stand aside, I will command the Zill creature behind you to come inside and die. It will feed you well.' Randy turned and looked at the creature that shambled up behind him. It looked like a pig built out of garbage. Randy was too hungry to say no. Jennifer was too well-bred to reveal her disgust. They sat in a room decorated with human furniture. Only soft, spongy walls betrayed their alien origins. The slave-maker sat in a leather chair, one leg crossed over the other. It looked perfectly at ease, the president of the world relaxing after a busy day. They waited whilst Randy finished his meal. Jennifer sipped golden tea and made small talk. "'You want to take over this world,' said Randy. "'We do,' said the slave-maker, "'but not right away.' "'You're shaping the way we evolve,' said Randy. "'Yes,' said the slave-maker. Randy looked at Jennifer. "'That's not allowed in the terms of the F.E.,' she said. "'More precisely, it was not specifically forbidden,' said the slave-maker. "'Then you don't deny it? You intend to guide human evolution in order to make us more compliant?' "'Not at all. We intend to do nothing.' "'Nothing?' Jennifer understood. "'You don't think it's necessary, do you?' The slave-maker nodded. 
You understand, Jennifer, it turned to Randy. You see, you complain that the steam barons sold you to us, but first you sold yourself to the steam barons. You are nothing but a race of slaves. Humans like to be told what to do. There are very few who are willing to take responsibility. That's not true, said Randy. It pleases you to believe that, said the slave-maker. But the steam barons knew exactly what the deal was. Stick around for a thousand years, Randy, and you'll see I'm right. By then, this planet will be shaped just the way we want it. Humans who don't like it will have left, gone somewhere else. Many will remain here, by choice. No, said Randy. It's true, said Jennifer. Not only that, they will have other people coming here to join them. There will be humans flying to this planet from across the galaxy. They'll want to be a part of this. Jennifer, how could you say that? Jennifer smiled at Randy. Because I know who I am. I'm not some great hero. I'm just someone looking for the best possible life for me and my children. Even if your children are fathered by a slave-maker? Randy turned to his host. It's true, isn't it? Ronaldo is a slave-maker. The gray man inclined his head in agreement. You see, Jennifer? Jennifer looked away. You don't care, do you? Jennifer didn't answer. You see, we know humans, said the slave-maker. We know all about our subject peoples. That's why we will eventually rule the universe. Humans only care about their freedom when they're young. Old people don't rebel. That's not true, said Randy. A sound of metal plates clanking. A man walked into the room. His skin was dark metacarbon. Hello, Daddy, said Jennifer. He's not your father, said Randy. Not biologically speaking, but he's the man who made me what I am, said Jennifer. Only so he could make a profit from you. Not just for that reason, said Jennifer's father, kissing her on the cheek. I love her as well. There's something about a well-made piece of machinery, and Jennifer is the best. He looked at his daughter. I hope you two enjoyed your little excursion, but it's time. Ronaldo arrives tomorrow. We need to get you ready. I know, said Jennifer. Her father looked at Randy. There's space in the flyer if you'd like a ride back down to the plane. Jennifer sat with her father as the flyer descended. You always liked him, didn't you? said her father. Yes, said Jennifer, but not as much as you might think. I pity him too much. He's always been too idealistic. Hmm, said her father. Jennifer looked at him. We really did sell ourselves to the slave-makers, didn't we? Do you care? asked her father. Am I a slave now? When someone can change your body, tell you what to look like, tell you what to wear, even tell you how to look, you're their slave, said her father. Does that bother you? Jennifer looked around the interior of the flyer, decorated in white and gold. The floor beneath her feet was dusted in gold. The region of Jennifer had taken hold. Does it bother me? Jennifer said thoughtfully. No, I don't suppose it does. Her father looked out the window. I can see your friend down there. He cares. That's good, said Jennifer. It sort of relieves me of the responsibility. I can sit back and do what I want and hope the other people sort out the mess we're in. Silence. Is that bad of me? She said. It's human, said her father. <laughs> Uh, don't forget, copyright is, as always, Tony Ballantines. Tony, thank you so much for that. Big thank you. And, Trent, what can I say? Excellent, man. Just fantastic. There's also, I've put some links on for 
Tony Ballantyne, if you want to go over and check out these recursion series, and there's a few links there, everything, you know what I mean, for the magazine, the Cosmopolitan Predators, and the Ethernet magazine. That would be fantastic. Have a look and support our writers. Talking of support. <laughs> How are we, man? It's early, man. Got to have the like, gentle links in. Do think about supporting Starship Sova. I know I'm kind of banging on about it, but you, you, honestly, man, it just costs a fortune. Do you know what I mean? It costs a fortune. We give everything away for free, and we get everything in for free, and yet it's still... Where, where does it come from? It still costs a fortune. Do you know what I mean? Just, like, ridiculous money there. So if you want to kind of support us and make sure we kind of keep going, that would be fantastic. And don't forget that I'm putting up each week as well part, we're actually we're on to part three now. And the story where I mentioned about in Sofanos we're doing this audio book, it's the land of Snurgs, the marvellous land of Snurgs. Amy actually said of it, the marvellous land of Snurgs from 1927 is an ad- adventure fantasy by E.A. E. Wake-Smith. J.R.R. Tolkien read to his children, acknowledged as a source book for the, his Hobbit, his most clever and delightful story. Tolkien said of it, I should like to register my own love and my children's love of E.A. E. White Smith's Marvellous Land of Snurgs. And it's narrated by Amy as well. So we're on to part three now of eight. So that's free as well, In It's so for us, it would be lovely if you pop over there and join that club. Until next week, just like to say, a good day from me. Will our heroes survive this terrible ordeal? Can they win through with their integrity unscathed? Can they escape without completely compromising their honor and artistic judgment? Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Testing the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about The District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening.